we're going to continue with our reading from Haggai, and um, we're going through chapter 1 at the moment, and um, we're going to be looking at verses um, 7 um, to 11 tonight. Um, I'll read through from, I don't know if Rez Rob's got it, um, it's going to be projected, but it's, it's okay. From 7 it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house, therefore because of you the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces, on people, on livestock and all the labor of your hands. There's quite a, a strong text from Haggai to encourage the people of God in Jerusalem to rebuild his temple and his house again, that God might be central to that community because if God's not central to a community there's no blessing in that community there might be much activity there may be many things going on there may even be religious activity and prayers and all the things gone, but if God's not central to it then it's emptiness it's profitless, it brings nothing probably just a few arguments But when God's central to the community, God brings fruitfulness and blessing and anointing. And especially when it's good times, we should rejoice in it. When God's really blessing it, we should be thankful. Yet for many people who see the good times in God, they're just like, yeah, well, life's good. And walking through life and they're not, not really considering actually, this is good. I should celebrate. I should rejoice. God's blessing me because there's probably going to be a hard time coming up when I really need to lean in God and depend on God. But I'm going to rejoice in what God's got for me now in this blessing. And so we're in a context of history which is around 520 BC. And the people of God have returned um, to Jerusalem from Babylon. And they've been released by King Cyrus. When we get to Haggai, we're probably about 20 years that they've been in Jerusalem, repopulating the land, rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding their homes, um, planting the fields and the crops. So we're here now in what's an established community of 20 years. It doesn't mean it's not hard. There's drought, there's famines, there are enemies all around. There's difficulties, there's challenges. How do they get married, children, all these things. They're building a whole new society in Jerusalem again and even at this time they still don't have walls to protect them from their enemies so they're still vulnerable but they went there to rebuild the temple that was their primary aim was to go and rebuild the temple and to worship God in Jerusalem again but for some reason over that 20 year period they'd forgot that they arrived and were all enthusiastic and they marched there in big troops and they were praising God and they were celebrating and were excited and they were having a big charismatic event and it was wonderful and um, they got there and they laid the foundations of the temple and they went, oh, God's good, isn't he? Now let's go and build our houses. 
Let's go and build our families. Let's go plant our fields. Let's go and do the real work, the things that have to be done. And after 20 years, they were so busy doing their own things, building their own houses, raising their own families, occupied with so many things that they forgot they'd only laid the foundations of the temple. And in the midst of this, you've got a young prophet called Haggai, who's, who, it's a good chance that he didn't come from Babylon. He was actually born in Jerusalem. And so he would have grown up seeing Jerusalem being built up and becoming a land again where people live with homes and fields and, and plantations. Yet he was a young man who saw the temple foundations, never a temple built. Never a place for God to be worshipped at the centre of that community. And I remember when I was growing up, I, I, I grew up in a, a town called Coatbridge in Scotland. And um, it was basically called the, the Polomint of Scotland because um, when I was growing up, it was, um, it was coming to the end of this, the steelworks era. And so when I was young, there was, it, the whole place was surrounded by steelworks. Um, but when I was, but by that time they were all derelict when I was young. And eventually by about seven, eight years old, they were all flattened. And so around where I lived, from the town centre all the way to my house, was just derelict steelworks and, and wasteland and all the things around, and just, just the foundations of buildings. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know they were steelworks. I just saw there's just foundations left here, and we used to play around them and, and walk through them and do things. But we didn't really know the significance that this was once a thriving industry. This was once the centre of the town. This was what made the town money. It gave people employment and jobs. And now that was gone. The town was a bit deflated and dead. And, and people wondering, what, what do we do next? And lots of people were unemployed, lost their jobs. And so those foundations represented something that was significant in that community, but was now gone. I'm sure Haggai is the same thing, that he's looking at these foundations think this is probably something significant. <laughs> but what's meant to be here, or what was here? And it was the temple of God, God's presence dwelling with his people. So at some point in his 20s, he gets raised up and he gets on fire, and he starts to encourage the people and chase them and harry them and say, come on, we've got to build this temple. God should be the center of our community. His presence should be our first call. Why have we neglected God's temple? And the people are, are listening, and he, he's saying to them, you know, you're, all the things that you're doing are profitless without God's presence, without God's blessing in your life. You build your homes, but they don't satisfy. You have money in your pockets, but it falls out of the holes. You wear clothes, but you're, you feel cold. And you know, It's amazing in our society and our culture that we thrive after generation and generation for more things, don't we? Yet we learn from the generation before us never really brought satisfaction, did they? Or the person who strived all the time for work and money and career who said, I wish I'd spent more time with my family <laughs> and see my children grow up. There's always something that's not enough, is there? There's always something that, no matter what we chase after, we think will give us fulfillment in life and satisfaction. There's an emptiness in it without God. And it's how we come to that point of recognizing there's emptiness in our lives unless God is there. And Haggai reminds the people, actually, 
what they experience is um, covenantal curses and blessings. Haggai takes them all the way back to Deuteronomy. And he says to the people, in Deuteronomy 28, 38-40 says, um, you will so much see, you will so much seed in the field, but you will harvest little. So you will sow a lot, but you will harvest little, because locusts will devour it. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes, because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees for your country, but you will not use the oil, because the oil drops, the olives will drop off. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. In a time of prosperity and opportunity, the people built their own homes. They didn't build the temple of God. In a time of prosperity and opportunity, they sought after their own fields and their own crops and not after what God wanted in that place. They didn't rejoice in God. They didn't find joyfulness in God. They didn't celebrate God. They didn't put God to the center of their life. And God looks at that and says, well, actually, as a people, I want you to rejoice in me. I want to be joyful. I want you to give from your heart to celebrate my presence with you. And you do that by building my temple, by worshipping me, by making my presence central to your life as you do, as what you do as a people. And if you make me central to your life and your community, I'll bless you. But if you seek after your own things, you'll experience cursing. And that's a simple basic principle, isn't it? That if you're in the presence of God and you're in the will of God, you'll get blessing, won't you? <laughs> you'll get blessing in your life, fruitfulness in your life, love, peace, kindness, hope, joyful, good families, things, even though the enemy tries to steal and take away, God still builds up because that character there that God places in you, that character that God places in the community is incredible. But then if you're stepping out of God's will, then you, you end up going after your own desires, what you seek. And usually it ends up in hurt, in pain, arguments, division, greed, selfishness. And God's saying a simple thing. If you're in my presence, under my will, you get blessing. If you're under your own will, and what you want is curses. And it may seem good that you're building your houses up, doing all these things that satisfy you, but let me trust and tell you, they will never satisfy you. Only I can satisfy you and can bless you. And I, I, I like to compare two cultures. I, I, I think of an experience of, of going to Brazil. And a country experienced Christianity and revival over the past 20 or 30 years. But before that, under, under um, Roman Catholicism and, and black magic and different other religions... And when you go into that society, you, you see crime, poverty, drug addiction, pain, heart, loss. When you walk down the streets, people have got, the people's houses have got um, um, barriers and, and, and um, poles and, and fences around them to protect them because the, 
They're so scared that people will come and rob them and, and take their possessions. And, and the richer you are, the more, the more defenses you have. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. How, you, so you can be in Brazil and you can be mega rich and you can be fantastic, but you end up having to buy the bulletproof car and spend more money to get that. And you have to live in a big multi, a multi-story building because it's for, covered with security to protect you. And you end up hiring security guards to take your children to school. It's not much of a life, is it? And if you're poor, it's even worse because you get less security and you're, you're, you know, the chance of people robbing you is incredible. But when the Brazilian team came here and they walked down our streets, they were going, isn't this amazing? Isn't this incredible? Isn't this beautiful? There's no dogs barking to start with because in Brazil, everywhere you go, there's dogs barking. Woof, 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 woof. Morning to night, it never stops. There's no mopeds going constantly or the gas man coming at four o'clock in the morning going and the lack of noise they were incredible the lack of noise how they slept peacefully but most of all they're impressed that they could walk down at night with the, with the sun shining at nine o'clock at night but nobody would rob them and they felt safe and secure and they said wow this is amazing this is such a blessing this is incredible and if all the things they walked away with was how safe it was how secure it was here and how blessed we were to live in such a, a safe place. But we take it for granted, don't we? But they were saying that's because of generation after generation of generation of revival and God working and sowing and people dedicating their lives and decided, people who were Christians and seeking God deciding to build up the society rather than to build up their lives and their own wealth. Do you see the picture, the difference? You see a society in Brazil of people who are building up their own wealth and their own desires and what they want. And But in Britain you're seeing generation after people, even if they have wealth, sacrificing that wealth for the betterment of society, to build schools, to better prisons, to make society better, to improve things. And we're blessed by that because God moved and did things and changed and transformed things. And we're living that blessing that God's done for generations of society that, that Brazil can't even... Imagine, even though they're having a credible revival at the moment that we're very jealous of. But the fruit of blessing that we're living in is incredible. But when we turn away from God, what, where's our direction next? Are we going to carry on that route of blessing or are we going to end up in curse? Because people are self-seeking and desire wealth and riches. In 50 years' time, will our society be like Brazil? Where you have to lock yourselves up and you're, with your riches and your wealth closed in by barriers. See, there's choices that you have to make and those choices make a difference between blessing and curse. And you can be very wealthy, but you're actually cursed. <laughs> and so the Haggai's telling us here, when we put God at the centre of a society, that we're people who love God and rejoice in God, that actually our society is better. Our society is blessed and God blesses our society even more. And it says in verse 7 of Haggai, it says, the Lord says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. So that I might take pleasure in it, that God takes pleasure in it when he sees his people build his temple to build his house to build his community God enjoys it when his people honour him 
and glorify him and rejoice in him. God is pleased and honoured when we give thanks for the blessing that we have in our country and we rejoice that what's been done here, that we rejoice in the, what, everything that's, is, that happens around us. When we have the good things that we are thankful and we're a people who praise him and glorify him and we're a people who dig in deeper to him when the times are hard, knowing that he can sustain us and keep us and that the times that are good are coming again. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. And because the people didn't put God at the center, they expected much. They expected Jerusalem to be incredible. Because God wasn't there, it was it blew away. It was it became a, a, a place of you know lack and, and emptiness and drought and famine and 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 and, and difficulty and neighbour against neighbour and and it wasn't what they pictured. They had so much incredible dreams of what Jerusalem could be, but they willowed away because God wasn't central. The temple was just a foundation. And God wasn't honoured, and God wasn't rejoiced in within that community. So Haggai challenges them, and the people respond, and they begin to build the temple that they will be blessed, that they will see blessing in their lands, blessing in their homes, blessing in their lives. In Malachi, in chapter 3, says, and he applies the, the same principle about tithing. He says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are we, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me, says the Lord, and see, well, I will not open the heavens. And God's not talking about money or finance. He's talking about the heart. He's saying, will you look at my house and make my house function that will be a blessing to the nations? Will you make my house a place of fullness and overflowing? And when you give your heart to my house, and to seeking to give me pleasure in your life, in your family, in your church, in all your circumstances. When you invest your time and your life into building a Christian community, because as we said before, we are the living stones. In First Peter, we are the living stones who are formed into the temple of God, that God will dwell in, and that God resides in the presence and the praises of his people. And there's something about when we decide to be sacrificial in our lives, and when we say that I'm ready to honour God, I'm ready to make, make God central to everything, and let God rule, and let God have satisfaction, that everything in my life brings pleasure and honour to God. Isn't that a good kind of barometer, isn't it, to say, is everything in my life bringing, bless, bringing pleasure in honour to God. God, does this bring you pleasure? God, does this give you honour? Be it in the good times which are joy, prosperous, that you rejoice in God, and the difficult times that you lean in God, but does it give you blessing? And does it give you pleasure in honour? Does your life give God pleasure? That's a question, isn't it? 
You're a living stone. You're part of this new temple. Dirt in the foundation of Jesus Christ. But is Jesus really the foundation of your life? Is he? Have you laid the foundation of Jesus in your life? But have you built on it? Or have you just said, I've accepted Jesus. That's fine. I'll leave that foundation where it is. But I'm not going to become like Christ. I'm not going to grow in holiness and joy and peace and love. I'm not going to let the fruits of the Spirit flow at me. I'm not going to be a blessing. I'm not going to bring pleasure to God. I'm not going to bring honor to God because I'm too busy. It's not the time to build the house of the Lord. It's not the time in my life to do things. You know, I'm too reserved to praise God. <laughs> I'm too busy preoccupied with what I want to honor God and bring God pleasure. I'm too worried about what my neighbor in church will say. If I get too excited and rejoice too much and uh, I've got to be calm and peaceful because I don't want to upset somebody over there. You know, who cares? The question is, if God calls you to do something that gives pleasure and honor to God, you should do it. If God's Spirit fills you and moves you, you should do it. If God sorry, fills you and moves you to give a word of knowledge, you should be obedient to that. Yeah, the people were called. They went back to Jerusalem to build the temple of God. That God would not be honoured. What are we called to do? What did God send us out to do? To make disciples. To teach them. To baptise them. To build the kingdom of God. That God might be glorified over all the nations. And so what's going to bring God pleasure? And what's going to honour God in our lives? When we commit to that, isn't it? When we make, when we gather together as living stones, that when our worship and our life together is so dynamic, so powerful, that the nations and the people around us here look and say, wow, this is a people who honour God. This is a people who bring pleasure to God because we cannot deny it because of the blessings that he's brought upon it. They may not have everything, but lives have been changed. People have been transformed. Hope's been brought. People have been built up. People have been rescued. People have been transformed. When I hear stories of people in this church, and they said, Gary, if you'd known me 20 years ago, you know, and the way I, you, and you see me now, you wouldn't want to see me 20 years ago. I say, praise God. <laughs> but there's so many people in this, our churches we see now, but we didn't see them before they met Christ of how broken and hurt and the pain and where their lives were. But Christ transformed them, didn't he? And that brings honour and pleasure to God. As lives are transformed, as a community is brought up, as blessing is brought, God is honoured. And so we're called to be this community, this people of God, who are transformative together as we form the temple of God in this place, as God brings together these living stones that bring honour and glory to God. And we shouldn't deny that corporate worship, should we? We shouldn't deny our gifts and all that we can do to make this place a thriving um, metropolis in Jerusalem of God, where where God is central to what we do, and the presence and the glory of God reigns upon this place, and God indwells this place with his glory. The second temple which they built... The people wept because the glory of God did not come upon that temple. How many temples, how many churches in this country do not experience the glory of God upon them? Yet we have tasted the glory of God, have we not? Or am I just insane or is it corporate hypnosis? It's corporate hypnosis, isn't it? We have tasted 
drips of the glory of God. We've experienced the glory of God come and touch us. And we are not hungry for that. Do we not rejoice in that and say more? How many churches are there so dry who have no glory of God, who do not, who, who come every week and meet together and weep about what it used to be to be a church when the glory of God was there, when lives were transformed, when the Spirit of God came upon His people? In a few, few weeks' time, we're going to go and visit a place called Malkop. And it's a place which birthed this church. And do you know what they did the Mau The people used to go there and it was a hilltop and they used to have these camp meetings and they would go for three or four days and they'd worship for three or four days for non-stop until the glory of God came down. And people who went there, Methodist ministers who witnessed that said, we saw all the miracles of Pentecost occur on that mountaintop. And then people gathered for weeks and years in camp meetings coming to meet the power and the presence of God in that place. And as they spread out, they went and planted churches. And one of the first churches they planted were in Derby and then here. And so we were born out of revival, out of fire, out of power, out of anointing. And we say, do it again, God. Do it again. We rejoice, God. We give thanks that you find pleasure in us, but we want to give you greater pleasure. We want to give you more honor. How do we do that? By giving more of ourselves to him, by building his church and his temple and his people up more. That God brings more pleasure, God brings more honor, and God brings more blessing. And the greater blessing is his presence. And we want to see an outpouring and the power of God in this place. So I ask you the question as we go to worship and we we minister to each other and pray for each other. What areas in your life are not bringing God pleasure and honour? And are you willing to lay them down and sacrifice them and say, no more. It's time to raise up with Haggai and the people of Jerusalem and say, we need to build the temple of God. Maybe you've laid, laid those foundations in your Christian life but you've never built the temple. You've never built the fullness of Christian life. Maybe today it's time to say, I need to be prayed over. I need minister to that. I will begin to build the foundations and build on those foundations to become more Christ-like and fill with the Holy Spirit and move in the full potential and power that God created me for. Where are areas in your life that bring pleasure and honor to God and ask God to multiply them, to increase them, to be more because it's easy for us as British people to be shy about things that bring pleasure and honour to somebody else, isn't it? We just like to kind of like, oh, well, yes, it's fine. I'm glad I made that person happy, but I don't want too much glory. No, what's the things that bring God pleasure and honour? Let's do them more. Amen. And so let's identify those things and do them more that God might be honoured and blessed more, that we might see more of his presence, more people come to salvation, more lives healed, more lives transformed in the name of Jesus. Amen.